morning, everybody. It's good to be with you today and worship with you. I want to invite you to turn in, uh, to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. <clears throat> Continue to make our way through John's biography of Jesus. Do you have a, um, a personal vision for your life? Is there a reality toward which you are aimed and toward which you're moving? For some, they have a vision for their lives, and for them it's quite clear, including a specific plan mapped out for how to realize that vision. Others have more of a general sense of what they hope their lives might become, but it is a vague hope at best. Do you realize that Jesus has a vision for your life? He does. It's not just a wonderful plan. (laughs) Jesus actually has a vision for your life. He has a vision for everyone who believes in him. Jesus has a vision for Emmaus Road Church. In John chapters 14, 15, and 16, we have a record of the last words of Jesus prior to the cross. Our Savior is now just hours away from his execution. And therefore these words, he knows it, and therefore these words are bulging with meaning. They are weighty in significance. And in these last words, Jesus conveys with profound affection and clarity His vision for you and for me. And loved ones, Jesus' vision for us, in a nutshell, is a vision of fruitfulness. And that's what I want, uh, that's what I aim to show you today. My, My prayer is that you might be persuaded and encouraged to know that Jesus not only has a vision for you, a vision for his people, for his church, for Emmaus Road Church, his vision is specifically for fruitfulness. We'll talk about what that means. But first, please follow along. As I read John chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 1 through 16. And and this is our Lord's holy life-giving, fruitfulness-producing, authoritative word. We read his word like no other. So these are the words of Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. That someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you. And appointed you. That you should go. And bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name. He may give it to you. Let's pray. We marvel Lord Jesus that you have so plainly communicated yourself to us. We marvel that we can hear your voice through what is recorded in Scripture. We thank you. Thank you for this blessing, this gift to us of hearing you, of beholding you, of knowing you. And we would ask today, in this moment, that through the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, Son of God, the Christ of the living God. Make yourself known here. Draw us to yourself. Make powerful, dynamic, living, vital connections between us and you, you and us. May there be great joining to you. And out of that, Lord, may you bear much fruit for the glory of 
of the Father. We ask this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. In the text I just read, Jesus is conveying some very simple things. Nevertheless, as is often true when people are, excuse me, nearing the end of their lives, they want to say so many things. They're just... I just have to cover all this ground, and in this text, there are many threads of truth coming together. And, And though they are plain, and though they are fundamental, there are simply so many things, it is impossible to touch on all of them in one message. So, again, my aim is to draw your attention to what I believe is the primary burden of John 15, 1 through 16, which has to do with fruit bearing or being fruitful. Clearly, that's the aim, that's the point of Jesus' emphasis in this passage. Just look at these these verses again, verses 1 and 2. I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, implied here, bear fruit, unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches, whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and what? Bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So clearly, right, the primary focus of Jesus' teaching here is this notion of fruit-bearing, of being fruitful, which then begs the question, what's the fruit? If the burden of Jesus' teaching has to do with fruit-bearing, and if Jesus' vision for his people is that they bear fruit, no, 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 that's not true. It's that they would bear much fruit. Then what's the fruit? And the fruit, or the fruitfulness, Jesus is calling our attention to in John 15 is whatever is specifically the result of Christ's life in our lives. Let me say it again. The fruit, the fruitfulness, is whatever is specifically the result of Christ's life in our lives. The fruit that Jesus means to be born in and through the lives of his people, is anything that is a result of being joined to Jesus. Being fruitful is anything that is a result of being connected to the life of Jesus. It's crucial because of the temptation that we face, we all face at some point, in defining 
fruitfulness on our own terms. And that's because of this greater temptation, an enormous temptation that we kind of all have as our default system to live and operate independently, self-sufficiently away from the Lord. Entrusting ourselves to ourselves and to what we can produce in and of ourselves. You see, it's, it's profoundly tempting to understand fruit as success. It's tempting to understand being fruitful as being successful. And when we define fruit and fruitfulness that way, well then the fruit or being fruitful on an individual basis, I mean it can mean almost anything, but it's mainly has to do with uh, doing more, having more, accomplishing more, getting more. And defining fruit and fruitfulness this way for a a church often turns to this highly technical theological phrase that we use, counting nickels and noses. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase, but it's used. Counting nickels. You would be the noses. Whatever you put in the offering is the nickels. And if fruit means success, then fruit for a church would mean more nickels and more noses. I, I admit to finding um, the, uh, the Sister Acts movies entertaining. Um, the Sister Act movies where this failing inner city church and its leaders are challenged by Sister Mary Clarence to do something in order to get more butts in the seats. It's the aim, right? And as endearing as Sister Mary Clarence is, therein lies the temptation. If being fruitful means being successful, we do not need a savior. We need a Sister Mary Clarence. But the fruit that Jesus is referring to in John 15 is not simply more butts or nickels and noses. The fruit Jesus is referring to is not a result of human talent, human creativity, human energy, human determination. Rather, it is a specific result of our union with Him. Fruitfulness is a result of Christ's life in us and through us. And therefore, being fruitful means it means gaining ground. In our personal battle in in relation to remaining sin. Fruitfulness means less pride and more humility. Fruitfulness means less fits of anger and more self-control. It means less envy and more contentment. Fruitfulness means diminishing manifestations of the flesh and darkness. And increasing manifestations of the character of Jesus. Fruitfulness means that we think more and more like Jesus thinks. We serve more and more like Jesus serves with more of the power of Jesus. Fruitfulness means Christ-likeness. Fruitfulness has to do with particular obedience to God's commands like loving our enemies, 
and laying down our lives for one another as well as faithful and fruitful witness. You see, the, the, the fruit referred to in John 15 then is a specific result of our union with Christ. It is the very life of Jesus in us that is bearing the fruit of Jesus through us. And God is glorified. That's way different than nickels and noses. So with this in view, I want to draw your attention to four observations from John 15, 1 through 16 regarding fruitfulness, being fruitful, fruitfulness in and through the life of a believer or through the life of a corporate entity like a church. So here's the first one. Fruit bearing is completely dependent on being vitally connected to Christ. Fruit bearing is dependent on being vitally connected to Christ. We're nearing the end now of, uh, maybe we're already done, um, the end of apple picking season. And if you've made a visit to an apple orchard this time of the year, you can, you can envision tree limbs hanging heavy with apples. But for those trees to have apples, the branches, <laughs> goes without saying, must be connected in a very real way to the tree. And so it is with Christ. It's the metaphor that he uses in verses 4 and 5. In the same way, the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. You can't bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That means that fruit bearing is dependent on being connected in a very real, vital way to Jesus Christ. There will be no fruit bearing with a merely claimed connection. You will hear people claim a connection to Christ when there is no real connection to Christ. And it will be apparent that there is no real connection to Christ because there is no fruit of Christ. So, so there are two things that we just have to get absolutely right. One is getting connected to Christ. That's, that's, that's the matter of first importance, right? Everything that we have seen and heard in the Gospel of John up to now is intended to facilitate getting rightly connected to Jesus. And that's because Jesus is our only hope of life and fruitfulness. And everything that John has recorded in this book was written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we might have life. Vital, real, dynamic, fruit-bearing life in His name. 
So in order to get connected to Christ, it is essential to put our trust in Christ. And when we entrust ourselves to him, God connects us to Christ and joins us to Christ in an unbreakable union with Christ. And so you see, there's this mutualness. There's a mutual connection between Jesus and the believer. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. We are joined. And when we are joined, the vine sends its life into the branch. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, that life happens. It happens in that connection. If anyone is in Christ, then something new and real and life-giving is happening. No branch has life in and of itself. And so fruitfulness depends on getting connected to Christ. That's the first thing. The second thing is it, that we must get right is the matter of staying connected to Christ. Because you see, real, vital connection to Christ, it is an ongoing connection to Christ. The difference between a claimed connection to Christ and a real connection to Christ is that a real connection remains day to day to day to day. So Jesus says, abide in me. Or maybe your translation says, remain in me. Jesus is not saying, hey, just join up. That's it. No, a, a claimed connection says, I joined back when I'm in. That's enough. That's, that's different than abiding and remaining. Being connected to Christ is a day-to-day vital connection. And that's because if we do not abide, there will be no fruit. And if there is no fruit, we show that we are not true disciples. Look at verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. In these uh, 16 verses, the, the word abide is used 10 times. Uh, Jesus is teaching the necessity of ongoing dependence, ongoing reliance, ongoing connection, connectedness. And this ongoing, persevering connectedness is so crucial that eventually, <laughs> the metaphor just it doesn't do justice, and Jesus drops the vine metaphor and shifts metaphors. And, and, and um, from about verse 8 on, he, he, he changes the, our thinking to focus on uh, our connectedness to him in the same way that he is connected to God the Father. Look at verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so, or in, in the very same way, I've loved you. So if you want to know how I love you, 
best way I can describe it is the way the Father has loved me. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy, the joy that I have in relationship to the Father, that very joy may be in you, so that your joy may be full. Just like my joy in the Father is full. So what then does staying connected to Christ look like? Practically speaking, it means two things at least. (laughs) Sorry if my outline is getting a little complicated here. Um, Practically speaking, abiding in Jesus means trusting in Jesus' love. As real as the Father's love is for Jesus, so is Jesus' love for us. Believe that. Keep on believing that. Entrust yourself to that. You see, not to abide in Jesus' love would mean that we stop believing that we are loved by Jesus. And that happens, doesn't it? (laughs) That happens Somewhat frequently, it can happen a lot. I mean, we we look at our circumstances, perhaps we are dealing with chronic illness or pain, perhaps you have experienced abandonment in your life, perhaps you have experienced abuse in your past, Perhaps, perhaps you've suffered and you have suffered long. What happens in those times? We're tempted, are we not, to wonder if Jesus really cares. We're tempted to wonder if Jesus really loves us. And Jesus knows that temptation. And that's why he speaks right into the situation of the group of men who had followed him And believed in him to be the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ. And they were about to be stunned when their man is snatched in the night. They are about to be stunned when their vision is shattered. The guy who they trusted to be the fulfillment of the prophetic hope of their people is mocked and tortured and executed before their eyes. These men were going to be traumatized. And so, friends, it is tempting, is it not, when things go wrong, real wrong, to conclude that we are not loved by Jesus anymore. And to come to that conclusion would be the opposite of abiding in His love. But abiding in Jesus' love means continuing to entrust yourself to the love that Jesus has for you. How? How do we keep trusting in His love for us? How do we keep believing that He really loves us? Well, it's by regularly listening to the promises of Jesus' love for us. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Some of you need to hear that this morning. With the power of the Holy Spirit applying that to you. As the Father loved Jesus, so in the same way does Jesus love you. Which leads to a second means of remaining connected to Christ. Namely, abiding in Jesus means trusting in Jesus' word. That is, keep on trusting everything that Jesus has revealed about himself. Everything that Jesus has said about himself. Everything that Jesus has spoken about his work for us and our future with him. Keep trusting that it's all true. So we keep on entrusting ourselves to Jesus as the better wine so that his joy may be in you and your joy may be full. You keep entrusting yourself to Jesus as the living water that quenches your soul thirst. You keep on trust and entrusting yourself to Jesus as the bread of life who satisfies your heart hunger. You keep entrusting yourself to Jesus as the one who delivers and sets you free from sinning. In John 8, 31-32, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free from sinning. Keep on entrusting yourself to Jesus as the better shepherd, a shepherd who's laid down his life for you. Keep on entrusting yourself to Jesus who will raise you from death to eternal life. Keep on entrusting yourself to Jesus to do His supernatural works through you. Keep on entrusting yourself to Jesus to never abandon you as orphans. Keep on entrusting yourself to Jesus to keep His promise He has kept his promise to send you the helper, the comforter, the empowering Holy Spirit. Those are all the things that Jesus has been saying throughout this gospel. And abiding in him means that we keep on trusting that what he has said is true. Loved ones, fruit bearing bearing is completely dependent on being vitally and continually Connected to Christ. And staying vitally and continually connected to Christ means trusting that Jesus really is loving us at every moment. Even in the darkest times. And that everything he has revealed about himself and his work for us and our future with him is absolutely true. That's all point number one. The rest will go more quickly. Second observation then about fruit bearing. Fruit bearing can increase. But requires pruning. And because God wants there to be much fruit. He will prune. God is committed to pruning because God is passionate about our fruitfulness and because God is zealous for the world to experience the joy of beholding His glory. Look at verses 1 and 2. I'm the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit... 
he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Loved ones, it probably goes without saying, but the, the analogy, the metaphor of pruning, um, I guess it means that that process will include pain. If, if fruitfulness means showing forth more of Jesus' character, then we can be sure that in order to share more in Jesus' character, we will ourselves endure our own share of heartache, of loss, of sorrow, of rejection, of betrayal, of suffering. The word prune means to thin. And this thinning is necessary for our fruitfulness because because our lives become overgrown with distractions and competing affections that, that so consume our attention in ways that we don't bear fruit anymore. I, I grew up, it was a, you know, family had a small acreage out in the country, rural Minnesota, and um, my dad had a big garden. <laughs> and uh, on this, in this big garden, he, he planted a number of apple trees. And um, I still, I can remember what it looked like the time he pruned those trees. I mean, he's like, took everything. <laughs> it, 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 he cut them down so that all they looked like was some sticks, and um, I, it was shocking. I said, what? What did you do? And uh, there's nothing left. And he just gently responded, no, no, you'll see. They'll come back. And when they come back, they'll come back even better. <laughs> and they did. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was a year or like two years, but the, did those trees come back? I mean, there was, there was like had to been twice as many, maybe three times as many apples as they had had before. Again, Jesus is addressing a group of men um, that were less than 24 hours away from their first pruning. They were about to be shocked with loss. And some of you have been shocked with loss. And some of that loss has been prolonged. And then we pray, how long, O Lord? How long? When, when is the pruning going to stop? And the short answer, and I don't mean it to sound glib, the short answer to that is um, when our Heavenly Father is done pruning. And our response to John 15 verse 2 is, is patient trust in the Father's wise and loving hand. So in order for there to be fruit bearing, there increased fruit bearing, there will be pruning. Here's the third thing. Fruit bearing is advanced by praying. Um, fruit bearing in and through our lives, it's advanced, it's uh, enlarged, happens, activated 
through praying. And, and since being vitally connected to Christ and abiding in Christ, I mean, it clearly includes close communion with Christ, it inevitably also and necessarily involves conversation with Christ. So look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, there's, there's this, this close vital connection. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So if we're vitally connected to Jesus, entrusting ourselves to his love for us, entrusting ourselves to all that he has promised to be for us, well then our, our desires will be shaped by him and by his priorities, and the purpose for which he laid down his life. And then when what we ask for is aligned with Jesus' goals and Jesus' purpose, namely fruitfulness for the glory of God, then whatever we ask for, we will receive. Or something better in order that that purpose might be fulfilled. Good verse 16. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So loved ones, according to God's sovereign grace, we've been chosen and we have been given a mission. And, and so as you go, as you go, pray. Ask the Father to stretch out His hand and heal and perform miracles through the name and authority of Jesus. Ask the Father for more boldness and empowerment for faithful and more fruitful witness. Ask the Father to restrain sin. Ask the Father to intensify His sanctifying work in your life. Ask the Father for that which may only be the result of vital connectedness to the presence and power of Jesus. And he will give you what you ask for or something better to fulfill that end. And here's the last thing. The absence of fruit is an indicator of the absence of life. There are no true Christians without some measure of fruit. I say this gently because I do know that for some of you with tender consciences, that notion can be destabilizing. We, we all need to acknowledge, right, that sometimes the evidence of fruit is hard to detect. <laughs> uh, sometimes the fruit is hard to see. There are seasons when the fruit is, is not only hard for us to see, but it's hard for those around us to see and detect. But when there is no fruit, no fruit, none, then Jesus has a, a sober warning. You, you know, another thing that I think we've 
seen throughout John's gospel is, is that uh, there, all along the way, there's men and women who have claimed some connection to Jesus. All along the way, there's people who believe in Him, believe in Him, and believe in Him. And then at some point, His, his claims become so hard that that claim proves to be not genuine. Whatever their believing was, it was not life-giving believing. Whatever their claimed connection to Jesus was, the, the complete absence of fruit shows that it was not a life-giving connection. Verse 2 again says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Jesus does mean those to be very sobering words. Verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove, so demonstrate, so validate the reality that you are my disciples. So you see, there, there is a kind of connection, but it's not a real connection if it is not life-giving. It's not a real life-giving connection if there is no, zero, none, mm -mm, fruit. And so are you being fruitful? Is your life fruitful? Not in the sense of worldly success and whatever may be produced by virtue of your own gifts, your own strengths, your own expertise, but are you bearing the fruit of the life and the character and the works and the witness of our great Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Loved ones, in Christ, joined to Christ, through Christ, the vision of a fruitful Christian, a fruitful believer, and a fruitful church, it's not just a vague hope. It is a real possibility. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we come to you hopeful. Because as the, as the Father has loved you, so have you loved your people. You've, you've loved us. You laid down your life for us. You loved your enemies. And you made them your friends. And now we're seated at your table. Lord Jesus... We're trusting in your love for us and we're entrusting 
ourselves to all of the things that you have said about who you are for a people. We're, we're trusting that you are a forgiving Savior, a sin-atoning Savior. We are entrusting ourselves to what you have said about being a lamb that was slain. We're entrusting ourselves to what you have said about being bread that this world knows not of, that can satisfy heart hunger, living water that, that satisfies and quenches soul thirst. We're trusting who you have communicated yourself to be. We're trusting in the promise that as we do, as we abide in that, as we get connected into that, that you will join yourself to us in an unbreakable bond. And that in this connection, there is life. Life. There is like sap. There is like nutrients that produce fruit. We can't fake fruit. So we're hoping in you today. We're trusting in you today. We're taking hold of you today. We love you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that the Father would be exalted as you pour yourself into us and through us and bear much fruit. May this be so in, in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.